0: Here are your hosts, Matt Malouf and Barbara Turley. Morning, everyone! Excited to be here for today's episode of the Virtual Success Show. Good morning, Barbara.
1: Hi, Matt. How's it going? Going well, and yourself? Great, thank you. Good week again.
0: Yes, yeah, it's another another great week, and we're we're uh, so many great things happening, and um, which leads me to what I want to really focus on in today's podcast was around an event that we, that I put on recently and how we utilized our virtual team to to pretty much do the majority of the organization and setting up of the event.
1: Wow. I, it's so excited to talk about this topic because, you know, obviously I've had a lot of experience and I have big virtual teams myself now, but I haven't put on an event yet. So I'm very keen to pick your brains on how you interacted with the team and how you because you pretty much offloaded most of the setting up of this event didn 't you to the virtual team
0: actually all of it like it, right. was, it was unbelievable so what don 't i 'll start with where this how this whole thing came about, and then we can we can go from there yeah, um, like many of us, I was sitting around and I came up with this concept for this event that I wanted to host. Locally in my local area, I live in the Sutherland Shire. And I thought, you know what, I've, not, I've never done an event for the local business community. I want to put something on for the local business community. And um, yeah, as I said, had one of those moments, light bulb, sounds great. How are we going to do it? So I went to my whiteboard and I literally whiteboarded up the whole event. So I'm like, we need, we need a venue, we need landing pages, we need payment pages, we need marketing, we need like every, all the aspects that we needed. And I looked at it and I went, oh my goodness, how is all of this going to get done? And I'd set myself this ridiculous timeline. Like I I came up with the idea um, in in late September and with the intention of doing this in the middle of November. So I literally gave myself six weeks to do this event. And then I started to think about, well, who could do aspects of this? Who could do this part? Who could do that part? And, and that's where I'm like well I've got this amazing team of people around me but there was some gaps and so I think it comes the first the first thing I did I think was get clarity on on what the whole thing needed to look like and who needed to then be a part of it and I was I just happened to see my sister that day who she's on maternity leave at the moment she's uh with her second child and she used to be in events and I said to her do you want to make a little bit of extra money she said what do you mean I said well do you want to work from home and coordinate the organization of my event for me? Yeah. And she said, yeah, sounds great. You know what I mean? Um,
1: yeah. Family member though. That's key. That's great. Someone you, someone you trust. Cause what I'm thinking there is, you know, putting on an event, I mean, maybe just for me, cause I don't do events yet, but uh, putting on an event feels like such a, quite a stressful uh, thing. You know, it's a pretty big thing to do. So To have someone, I guess, who had a background in events who could maybe coordinate with you was very handy to get things started.
0: That was the key. More so than probably being a family member was that she had the expertise. So I didn't have to hold her hand through the process. So I literally, what I did is I took a photo of my whiteboard and I did a video. I, I took the photo, put it up on and did a Camtasia video talking through the whiteboard and what I had done and how I wanted the event to be how I wanted it to look feel etc and and that video was probably 8 minutes yeah and I sent that to Rose and that was what she based her everything that she needed to do from was that 8 minute video
1: and that's key I think because a lot of people will create plans You know, or, you know, I mean, even a whiteboard plan is is pretty good, is a pretty good start. But to actually put context around it, because sometimes what I see people doing, and I've probably done this myself, is, you know, you create a process or you create a map of what you think you want something to look like, like a product launch or something. But without your voice and putting context around what you mean and what you, you know, what you want to portray, a lot of it gets lost in, in translation, a lot of it gets lost without the translation, I guess.
0: Correct, correct. And, and you know what? I think for that particular role, it was essential that it was someone local, someone that um, could, could converse directly with everyone they needed to, um, you know, here in Australia. And yes. that, that And I think choosing the person to take up specific roles, you need to look at what are they going to be doing? I needed someone in that role that could take quick instruction, who I didn't need to necessarily walk through everything you know, in a really slow and and methodical manner. I needed to give her a high level overview, and and then enable her to do uh, what she does, you know.
1: And then, did you connect her? So I'm assuming the next step, and I'm probably jumping ahead here, but you obviously have a big team. I mean, you've got virtual staff in the Philippines, you've got people in Australia, you know, you've got people in the states. Did you then give her the list of who's on your team and who you felt would perform what role? Or talk to me about the next the team that you put in place.
0: So the next step was exactly what you mentioned. What I did was I not only gave Rose all the contacts she needed, but then I introduced her to each of them and, and positioned her in what her role was with this project. So all of them knew that she was heading the project up.
1: Oh, that's key. I was just about to ask that because there's a level of what I see people doing, and I've seen people do this with events as well, is they decide they want to put an event on. It might be a small one, could even just be a webinar, to be honest. And then they just fling it at their VA in the Philippines and expect them to be able to coordinate and make it all perfect without much sort of um, leadership, I guess. I mean, you were still leading the concept and putting all the pieces of the puzzle in place in terms of the the team and deciding who's responsible for what bit. Correct. Would that be fair to say? And I think that's something a lot of people miss. And I don't know whether you see this happening, but I, I, I see people forgetting about the leadership position that you have to take, even when you have a virtual team.
0: Correct. You know, I mean, <laughs> the natural person to that this could have gone to would have been Vanessa, my my personal assistant. Mm. But the reality is, as talented as Vanessa is, it still needed someone with the event expertise to be able to see it through because there's specific questions that needed to be asked specific questions around the hotels the the, the room size etc 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 so so what I what I did was I um I sent Rose the video she watched it I then connected first firstly I connected Vanessa with Rose because Vanessa, being my assistant, needed to know what was going on. She needed to be across what my aspects of this were. And what Vanessa did, I gave, I sent Vanessa the same video I sent to Rose, asking her to get all of the tasks that I mentioned and put them into Asana.
1: So she was very clear, because this is the other thing. It wasn't just connecting Vanessa and Rose. It was also making sure that Vanessa is very clear on what role she plays in this bigger project because when the teams involved in a project what i see happening and going wrong is each member of the team doesn't really know what particular job or role they're they're playing and then you end up in a situation where someone says oh but i thought she was doing it or i thought they were doing it and then nothing happens
0: correct and that's that a lot and that's <laughs> the beauty about getting it into Asana as well. yeah. And so what? The, once it got into Asana, there were still some gaps as to who'd been assigned certain things. So there was um, outside of uh, Rose and Vanessa, then I've got Alex who helps me with my slide preparation. And Alex is a virtual assistant who lives in Romania. And I've been working with Alex for probably about three years now. And I met him through Elance, mm-hmm. and so I'd been te- testing different suppliers through Elance, um, and he was he, we, we'd done a few projects together, and he'd done a great job, and that's where I then at that point a few years ago said to him, "Well, I'd like to keep feeding you work. Let's come up with a pre-negotiated price uh, and and uh, delivery time. So on slide decks of a hundred slides or less." It's 48 cents a slide, and there's a 48-hour turnaround. And I supply Alex with a, I'll either supply him with like a wireframe PowerPoint, which just has literally topics in each slide, or I'll provide him with a mind map, with each branch of the mind map being a, a slide in the in the slide deck. He understands the my the style that I like. And the, and the sort of um, template that we use, um, and he turns it around.
1: Now, I want to stop you there for a second because I find I've got so many interesting things to say here. What I love, firstly, is that you've got different members of the team and you're recognizing that different people have different skill sets and you're not expecting your VA, Vanessa, your personal assistant, to be a jack-of-all-trades, to be brilliant at everything. Correct. So, and Alex is obviously a specialist in building slides and presentation slide decks. However, you, by the sound of it, still spent a lot of time with Alex, making sure that he understands your style. How long did that take?
0: Um, I think probably two or three projects initially.
1: Yeah, so he didn't get it right on project. I mean, it's very difficult because obviously I see a lot of people getting tripped up in this area when it comes to slides or images for social media. And they throw their hands in the air the minute the first image isn't perfect. And I sort of think, well, really things that are subjective take a lot of working together, feedback, trial and error, and not just assuming the other person is stupid and can't understand your brand, but that it doesn't matter who they are. Even designers in Australia will will take time to understand what's in your head and what you
0: like. Yeah, that that takes work. And what I've found is that with the mind map, again, I do a quick audio that goes with it. Mm -hmm. And... It's in in the if I rush that initially up front then there's a lot of revisions If I take the time to explain the presentation the essence of it go through quickly each slide and, and what 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 the context of the slide is often now like on a hundred on a 100 slide slide deck there's probably you know less than 10 slides that I'll need um, images revised so less than 10 percent and he turns it around in 48 hours with less than um and, and unlimited revisions. But I think the important thing to note though um barb is that yeah, you know, I'm paying 48 cents a slide. So I'm paying less than $50 for a task that would probably take me personally 2 days to do. Yeah. And so if if it doesn't come back right the first time, or the second time, or the third time, you know what? It's still saving me so much time and money. It's, it's it's just, you've got to put it into the right context of what's going on here.
1: Well, what I think there as well, and I just, I'm probably laboring this point a bit too much, but because I see people getting tripped up so badly in this area, you know, you're at that point now where you go back with 10% of the slides, maybe needing revisions, but on the first project you did, how did that one go? I mean, you would have had oh, to spend, it. It would have, you would have spent time with him.
0: Correct. Yeah, correct. So the I think the first one, I, it was that long ago, but let's say that there was 30 or 40% back then. But yeah. the thing was, and this is why I chose him as my preferred supplier, was that he got it quickly. Like I'd worked with other suppliers before and they'd done an okay job, but he really wanted to get it right. And he was really open to getting it right. And he was the first person that actually wanted to have a conversation with me via Skype. So there was there was a lot of positives. Hence, you're, you for me personally, investing the time to get it right has been has paid off tenfold.
1: Well, that's the thing, and that's the key point. I sort of the the thing you've just said there, investing the time initially up the, up front, has paid off tenfold. And honestly, this, that's happened to me as well. I mean, I have had to invest time in all of my team. You know, at times when I really didn't have the time, but it. It just, it pays off so massively in the end, but it may take a few months for that to pay off. It could take a year for it to really pay off, but it's so worth the time investment at the time. And I see people not wanting to make that initial time investment. What I hear people saying to me are things like, I just don't have time. I don't have time to talk to them. I wanted them to do it straight away. And I go, well, nobody really, and again, let's, let's be honest, you're paying, you know, cents on the dollar or whatever. If you're getting someone for eight, $9 an hour, um, like what we do your, through Virtual Angel Hub, you know, really, I'm not saying you get what you pay for, but you have to invest some time initially to get the returns that you want,
0: if and you and will. And, and it's irrelevant whether you're paying 8 or $80 an hour. You still have to invest the time. Still
1: have to invest the time, absolutely. I mean, I've worked with, with you know, strategists out there that... I've worked with designers in Australia that cost me an absolute fortune, and honestly, I, I felt like it would have been easier to do it myself because it took them so long to get... What I wanted, but mm-hmm. that's just the nature of the uh, of working with people. I think in any in any industry.
0: Correct. Correct.
1: Okay, so I have probably laboured on that one a bit too long. No, so talk about the next. So you got Alex going with the slides. Yes, and, then, and, then, and project and so, managing. Vanessa was managing Asana and making sure all the tasks were assigned and kept moving. Correct.
0: Yeah. And okay. so I, it was the end of September, and then I took a week off. And, and I, So I'd set Rose up before I went away. And by the time I got back, within a week, we had um, I had a short list of two venues. Um, I had a, an appointment in my diary to brief the copywriter. I had a sketch up, uh, like a wireframe of the landing page. All, this is all within a week. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was off in Hamilton Island enjoying a family holiday. And that's the beauty of it. I could I could do all of that and have all that happening. Mm-hmm. I got back. I chose a venue that was sorted. Um, the copywriter interviewed me about the event. He then went off and did his piece. Um, I Alex was. Uh, I briefed Alex after I got back, so then he was working on the presentation. And then the gap was: how are we gonna How are we gonna fill the room? We wanted to put thirty people in the room.
1: Now, I want to just pause there for one second because I'm very interested in the week-long holiday that you had. And I have a couple of questions that I think are key questions that um, the listeners are going to miss a couple of things here potentially because I see people missing this. Before you left on holiday, how did you set them all up to know what your expectation was for results when you came back? So did you say... Look, Rose, I need to have, you know, by the time I come back, I want to have a list of venues, minimum two. Vanessa, I need to, you know, how did you set that up? Or did they just intuitively know what to have done by the time you got back? It
0: or was, how did you was, lead? It was, it was all in Asana.
1: So but you were leading that, weren't you? You set them up for success. Because I see a lot of people expecting that in their head, but not leading that. And just going, oh, well, I assumed that she would know by the time I got back that she would need to do this, this, and this. And I think assumptions are very dangerous in this.
0: Absolutely. Rose knew that on the Tuesday after I got back, we were going to have a phone call and that she needed to present to me the venues.
1: I love that because, you know, we talked on this podcast before. I think it was actually in our first show. You mentioned something that was uh, just so key. There's a difference between having a meeting and having a chit chat. Correct. So like a meet, you had organized a meeting with Rose for the Tuesday when you came back and there was a very clear agenda as to what was going to be talked about. Correct. And what she had to present to you. So you had set that up before.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it was the same with Vanessa and and that, that was before I went away. They were the two keys that needed to happen. And and sorry, and the third the third person that needed to be involved was Uh, the meeting needed to be set up with the copywriter. So that had to be done for when I, otherwise we wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't have um, got the event ready in time. And we wouldn't have been able to market it.
1: So I just love there though, that, you know, although you weren't doing any of the work yourself and you had somebody project managing it who was Rose, you were still leading the project in terms of what success looks like and where the milestones that we need to, the actual milestones where we need to check in and what, what needs to be done.
0: Correct. What your
1: expectations are.
0: And I think to, for the listeners, in any task, whether it's a project like this that you're putting together or just a daily or a weekly task, it, everything that you set up with your virtual assistants needs to have a clear deadline and a clear description of what success looks like.
1: Absolutely. And I would even add to that. I say to people, you know, don't just even have a deadline, have a check-in point as well. So if it's a, if it's a very big project... You want to make sure that, you know, if the deadline is four weeks from today, then you don't want to be catching up with your VA for an update the day before the deadline or on the deadline date and expecting, you know, you just want to rock up and it's all done. I mean, you probably need to be having milestone meetings as well during those four weeks to check in on, you know, are there issues? Do you need my help with something? Are there roadblocks? Are there people not getting back to you? You know, things like that that can really derail projects. And I see people just setting deadlines and then coming back on the deadline date and going, okay, so what, what's the deal? And I think really, if you're going to lead a if you're going to be a leader, you need to have milestones where you're checking in oversight.
0: Correct. Mm. Correct. So then from there where we went was, um, I I was interviewed by the copywriter. Mm -hmm. So I spent 20 minutes with him. Um, and then again, clear deadline set on when I would have the draft copy. Um, the venue was set. And as I said, then we just needed to start putting some some marketing in place. Um, I wrote three emails that we were going to send to our database as well as our LinkedIn. And we wanted to just target local businesses. So we also then had a strategy for, um, I had a list of, acquaintances and colleagues that I have worked with over the years in the local area and reached out to them to help me market this project. I wrote the emails, Vanessa executed and sent all of that.
1: Okay. So I've got a question here, two questions, which I think are interesting to uh, just pause on for a second. First of all, I'm assuming that everybody involved in this project uh, was invited to the Asana project so everyone could collaborate together in Asana? Would correct. that be correct? Right? Correct. And then who was and I'm assuming it was probably you. You know, you said that, you know, we you wrote the emails and then we targeted people on my LinkedIn, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But you set that those tasks up, yeah, and how to do them and then Vanessa executed them. Would that be right? Correct. Yeah. So you were still driving the strategy behind that and not expecting Vanessa to be a strategist in that area because that's not her skill set. Would that be right?
0: Absolutely. Hundred percent. Hundred percent.
1: So I do see people expecting again, this is expectations management, I guess, you know. At Virtual Angel Hub, I mean we we get great VAs for and uh, put them into businesses, but where we see businesses really fail is when they mistake that person for a strategist. And expect, the expectation is that that person can come up, I mean, some of them actually can come up with a lot of strategy when you get to know them better and you work with them for a long time. But initially, you know, they really are people to help you drive your strategy forward and implement things, but as directed by you.
0: hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And, and the interesting thing is, um, it, it comes down to what, why, do I, why did I employ this person in the first place? What's their role? Hmm. Um, so once we get clear on their role then the expectations become a lot simpler but when we start confusing and trying to get everyone doing everything and not being clear on their roles then all of a sudden you, you know we, we, we're we're expecting superhuman things from them
1: Absolutely. You know, and I I actually had an issue earlier this year with one of my gorgeous VAs, like love her to death. And we've a great, we've a great relationship. And, you know, because I had multiple, I was actually sort of doing multiple businesses at the same time and multiple projects were on. And she approached me one day and she was really upset. And she said to me, I feel like I'm not doing a good job. I'm dropping the ball. I'm all over the place. And I feel like I don't know what my role is. And I thought to myself, Yes, I had been throwing things at her left, right and center. And how I had viewed her role was to help me execute whatever it was I was doing. But in doing that, I was actually making her feel very uncomfortable, like she wasn't good enough. She couldn't keep up. And actually, I, I, a great person was feeling down on herself because I wasn't clear on what her role actually was. So that was a real lesson for me as well in, you know, just making sure that the person feels supported and that they know what they're supposed to be doing every day and where, where they play a
0: part. 100%. Mm. Absolutely. You, you know, it, I think also to add, it all comes with experience. Like, yeah. you know, in in this case study that I'm giving around this event, if you'd asked me three years ago to, to do this, it certainly wouldn't have been done with the level of precision and leverage that I can do it today, back then. Simply for yeah. the fact that now, I, I am clear on who can do what. I am clear on um, what, I guess, I talk about it in my book about their genius. You know, the, the things that they love doing that they're exceptionally good at that have a great return for themselves and the business. And when you when you get each person in your team on a project playing in their genius, it's amazing what what happens?
1: Well, it's like an orchestra. It, it is. actually is beautiful. It's like music. It is. It yeah, because I've had that experience. So, so, tell us so the event happened. So, now tell us about any hiccups. Were there any curveballs that happened along the way? And how did you deal with those?
0: The only curveball, actually, you know what? There, there wasn't. We, we, the, the only, I'd call it quote unquote, hiccup was that the original room that we had booked. Was smaller than what the number of people that that had actually taken up tickets. So um, good problem. Um, it was a problem. Great problem. But what again? So I said to Rose, "What what can we do here?" And she took care of it. She's like, "We've got this option or this option," and she solved the problem. And what was nice was, you know, I I came just just to give the the before the uh, so Rose was confirming with me the whole way through, so I knew that. You know, we had the room booked. Um, She even wrote me this email telling me, and and I've done many events and I wasn't expecting this, but this is when you you have someone that's a professional in their position, this is what you get. She sent me an email the day before saying, you'll rock up at this time. This person will be here to, uh, to meet with you. This is the room you're going to. This is what you should see in when you get set up in there. This is, you know, this is the breakfast. This is the, this, it was just like, I was blown away. Do you know what I mean? At the level of detail and precision she'd gone
1: to—that's her experience, though. You know, exactly. I mean, I, I see people expecting their VA to be able to do that for them when they've got no experience with events.
0: Uh, yeah, you
1: yeah. know, that's
0: exactly <laughs> well. right. And so that's that's again putting someone who has the experience into that position makes it so much easier, and to the point where Bob, I rocked up on, like three days before I, I my you know I was practicing my presentation. I get get there on the day. Everything's there, everything's set up. I plug in, I present, I leave. And we had an amazing event. So there, there weren't any hiccups as such. And I think that was because each person in their role was playing to their strengths. And here's the, here's the really interesting thing about this whole thing. I wanna, I wanted to highlight this for everyone. The, the investment, what the, what this actually was in real cash terms in Australian dollars to put that the labor part of that event together. So forgetting that I had to engage a copywriter and that was, um, you yeah, know, that, that's a different expense, just the organization, right. Of the whole event, the investment was $230.
1: Ah, yeah. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's uh, great. Because you know, again, you know, Rose is working from home. So she, that, that was $30 an hour. I paid her $30 an hour.
1: Mm. what i'm noticing here though and i really do want to i sort of want to make sure that i highlight this point though because what i'm hearing and i want to make sure the listeners are hearing this as well is that although again i'm going to labor it you had the team in place and it was calm and you went on holiday and you know but you didn't just like fling the whiteboard picture at a a group of people and say hey i'll be back in three weeks and i'll show up for the event you know you really were the person who was driving the strategic end of it. Correct. Yeah. And that part, you need to take that role. You know, I think a lot of people feel that delegating, I mean, I know we talk about delegating, frees up your time, but you still, unless you have a strategist who's going to take that role for you in your business, you are the person who takes that role. And that's a role that is like the, the, um, conductor of an orchestra.
0: You know, you've got all your team doing their thing, but you still need to conduct the orchestra. Correct. Mm. Correct. And, and, in conducting the orchestra, it's such a minimal amount of effort and time.
1: Uh, if you know how to do it right, though, you know because well, right. I, I, think, right. I think a lot of people underestimate this the the um, the expertise and experience you actually need to be a good conductor, and that's something I'm really committed to try and get to get more business owners to learn how to do that because in the beginning, actually, it is a bit you know, you know there is a bit of time investment and sometimes when you start delegating first, it can be more work, you know, initially, but the investment, the return comes later in freeing up your time. I think a lot of people think that they're going to free up their time in week one, when actually the workload can almost double when you start delegating first. Uh, But you know, it's, it's a future, you're looking down the barrel of a couple of months or whatever to get it right. And then you start to see your time free up.
0: Correct. So, so I guess if I give a quick bullet point list on how to be a great conductor fast for number one is you have to have clarity on what success looks like as the conductor, you've got to get clear in your head. What, what, what What you want,
1: what you actually want. And then what it looks like to be successful in that.
0: Correct. Mm. Correct. Secondly is then you've got to look at who's doing what and does it require specialist skills because if it requires specialist skills, then you've got to make sure the right person is sitting in the right seats. Yeah. Hence, Rose being the project manager in this instance, right, was perfect for, for, for me to be able to sit at the conductor level and not have to worry about any of the detail because she had the expert knowledge.
1: And I guess if you can't afford to get someone in that role, like let's say you're just starting out or you're a small business, then you have to accept that you need to take that role.
0: Correct. Correct. Third, third is making sure that you have like a project management system. That is the glue to get everyone communicating together. So if you've got multiple people in, in this case, which we did that were all important to the orchestra and have to play in harmony you need to. They all have to have their sheet music to use the metaphor.
1: And it can't be email. Let's just be clear: email is not a project management system. Correct. <laughs> You're setting yourself up for total failure if you use email.
0: <laughs> Correct.
1: So Asana or Trello or one of these project management tools.
0: And then, lastly, I think is having clear milestones and check-in points. You know what I mean? So there's got to be, you know, rather than just giving them the project in its entirety, you need to break it down into smaller pieces. Like I gave the tasks that needed to be done in that week while I was away. And then I was coming back with a definitive, here's where we're going to meet. And this is what we're going to talk about. And if you, if you break the project up like that, then all of a sudden you move with immense speed and, and, and everyone works in harmony. Now it doesn't feels
1: good. Everyone feels good then.
0: Correct. Yeah, It doesn't always work perfectly, and I want to really stress that because it, where, where I think it becomes – where the problems tend to arise is the, the either it's going to be one of two things. Either the person doing the task doesn't have the right skill set, so they're going to require more of your time. Or secondly, is it, as there's more and more people involved in this, that's where it can become harder. But those things we just spoke about, particularly around the project management system – they are critical for the success.
1: Critical. I mean, you know, I'm thinking as you're talking, going, I really feel in the last year or two, I've totally stepped into that orchestra role. And we were talking before the show about this, where I just feel like it's such an amazing feeling when you get it right. But the only way I can do it is by having very clear roles for each person. Project management system is absolutely key. And very clear, de- clearly defined task lists with proper milestones, due dates, and uh, responsibilities for each person. Absolutely. And then each person reporting into me on their progress.
0: So I just want to add one last thing on this. I think mm-hmm. this will give all the listeners a really – I'm going to open the hood up massively. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. A few years ago, I was terrible at lists terrible at milestones terrible at meetings and I I bring that up because I've learned the skill and this is a skill I, I don't believe people are born this way it's a learnable skill you have to commit to learning the skill you have to commit to the growth because if you want to be successful in your business and take it to the next level these are the skills you need to master in order to, to grow um, and scale your business.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think I was lucky, I suppose, because I spent so long in the corporate world where you're almost put in a straitjacket when it comes to things like meetings. And I mean, you have no choice but to be organized. There's meetings, there's milestones, there's strategic plans. So I learned a lot of that you know, through the, my corporate days. And, and I was quite amazed actually, when I started working with the entrepreneurial small business community, I guess, How people are so not even, not lacking in that area, but not even knowledgeable about how important and pivotal it is to your success is the, you know, knowing how to run a meeting, knowing how to you know direct traffic in terms of projects and stuff like that how to create processes and and really if you're not willing to i don't know if you remember when when we had Dan Norris on the show he said something quite controversial he actually said if you're not willing to create systems processes and lead teams you're not an entrepreneur go and work for someone else and i thought okay it was a bit controversial but actually there is, a, there is a lot of truth in that.
0: It's 100% the truth. Yeah. 100%.
1: People don't want to hear that, but it's actually true.
0: Exactly. And that that is the 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 differentiator between uh, mediocre results and outstanding results.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great point to finish on, Matt, because so many people are getting mediocre results and they're blaming everything under the sun. But the reality is, if you want outstanding results, the formula is actually not difficult. It's there. It's just people don't want to follow it. They don't want to take the pain and actually, you know, get good at this stuff. But I know if I could impart anything that I've learned over the last few years doing my own thing is commit to it because when you get it right, it, the sky's the limit.
0: hundred percent. Mm. Well, I hope that's been helpful for everyone today, just to give a little bit of insight into a real life project and how you can utilize your virtual teams, both locally and overseas to coordinate and how, cost effective and time effective it can really be when you master this absolutely thanks for sharing that with me today Barb it's been been a great show
1: yeah and as always I learned a lot again from you so I'm going to be implementing some of that stuff in uh, in my next uh, whenever I get to events Fantastic. so until next week Matt have a great week and uh, listeners enjoy your week and remember to come back next week for more virtual success.
0: You too, Bob. Have a great week and to everyone. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Success Show. If you found this show helpful, take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together. Find out more about the inside scoop on outsourcing success by going to our website, virtualsuccessshow.com. Until next time, thanks for
1: listening.